Good morning, Church. Um, thank you for that introduction. And I'm so glad that I can be uh, with you in this way. I, I wish I was there in person. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great opportunity for me to be sharing God's word with you. And thank you, Elizabeth, for uh, inviting me to speak. Um, today I'm going to share about blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. And we'll be looking at three points. Uh, God's blessing plan and God's heart for the world and also the state of our world. So God's blessing plan uh, actually is his covenant with Abraham. And I'm going to read out the famous uh, verses in Genesis chapter 12. Um, I'll be reading from NLT version. So the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now God's blessing plan is his covenant uh, to Abraham and to us who share Abraham's faith. Um, it, his, his plan has two parts. Okay. The first part uh, is what he said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you famous. And we can call that the top line blessing. Um, it's blessing from top down from God to us. And we love this top line blessing because it's, you know, God bless me, my health, my family, my work, it's me, me, me. And it just comes naturally for us to ask God for, for those things. But the second part to his blessing plan is, I, um, is all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And we can call that the bottom line blessing. And it's, it's a blessing uh, not from top to bottom, but from side to side. From side to side, it's um, our God-given responsibility. God, God's blessing plan is a package. So you cannot choose the top part and not the bottom part. You have to embrace um, the top and the bottom together. So the, the bottom line um, of the blessing actually places a cross-cultural obligation for God's people and, and we need to embrace it. We need to embrace the bottom line for two reasons. It's our responsibility, that's one reason. And the other reason is it's God's heart for us. It's God's heart for the world, which is uh, missions because he blessed us to be a blessing. And uh, when I looked up the definition of blessing in the Webster Dictionary, yeah, there's uh, three points. Um, I think they have a few more, but I'll just read the three points that they had. Approval that allows or helps you to do something, that's blessing. Blessing is help and approval from God. 
and uh, it's also something that helps you or brings you happiness. And Chinese people love blessing. And in Chinese, the word for blessing is fu. And we're actually quite obsessed with this word. We hang it everywhere. Um, and many of the Chinese boys would have this character in their name um, because the parents want them to be a blessed person, I guess. We especially like to hang this word around Chinese New Year. So uh, every Chinese New Year, we pull down the old one that's been hanging there for a year and then we put on a new one. And uh, we're so crazy that we hang it upside down. Okay, we hang the word upside down because upside down fu in, chi in Chinese it's fu dao, and that sounds like when it's translated, it sounds like blessing is coming or blessing has come, and that's what we want. We want the blessing, and I, I think although you don't know Chinese, but you've got the same heart, we all want the blessing. In um, 1979, a book was uh, published and uh, it was called The Discovery of Genesis. And the authors in this book illustrated how the truth of Genesis, especially the creation stories, uh, can be found hidden in the Chinese characters. And so the Chinese character for the word blessing is actually made up of two parts. The left side uh, means God and the right side has three characters. So the one line is, it can mean one or it can mean the first. And then there's the square, that's a mouth or a person. You usually count people by mouths. So you know, how many mouths do you need to feed? Um, and the last bit, which looks like a window, is a field or farmland or just land uh, or, or garden, okay? And so in terms of the Genesis story, so who is this one person or the first person, of course, Adam? And Adam has land or field or property or or the Garden of Eden, and everything he needs comes from the land or the garden. And so basically our work, our food, and all our resources that's needed to make different types of materials, that all come from the land that God gives us. So basically what this word is saying, a person who has resources, um, property, food, material things, and has God first in his life is blessing, is this word for blessing is having God in you and with you and God taking priority in your life. That's blessing. So let's have a look at our next point, God's heart or God's will. So what is God's heart? Well, the bottom line blessing actually gives us a clue. Um, the bottom line says he, he wants all families on earth 
to be blessed through Abraham, right? And so uh, it's the same. He hasn't changed. He wants all families on earth to be blessed through his family, but you know, his Christian body. Um, Second Peter chapter three says, God does not want anyone to be destroyed. He but wants everyone to repent. And, uh, and that's God's heart. God wants every person to have that blessing, to know him, to have him in life, to worship him, and to live with him eternally in harmony. But God knows that not everyone who uh, has heard about him or knows about him wants to have him as the priority in their life. He knows that. So at the end of the day, what does God want? Well, he tells us his vision in uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. I will read it out again. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. Now here the word every nation is translated as all nations in NIV. And the Living Bible says um, the entire world. Um, and the New Living Translation uses all families. But the original word here is the Greek word ethne where we get the English word ethnicity from, ethnicity or ethnic community, yeah? And so in missions, we just translate this as people groups, uh, and communities of people. So it's very easy to think that nation here might mean political country, but it's more than that. And God uses four different words just to make sure that we don't misunderstand what he means. So he uses nation, tribe, people, and language um, to make sure that we understand he's talking about redeeming people from every race, every language, and every culture, every people group, and not just every country. So how many nations are there? How many tribes and languages are there in the world? Well, according to United Nations, uh, they would say there's 195 uh, political countries. Uh, but if you Google, Google will tell you there's 232. And uh, if you go according to some international sports, they would say, oh, it's 211. So it all depends on how you... Uh, look at it. But let's just say roughly 200 um, countries, just easier for us to uh, talk about. So we have 200 political countries. And according to Joshua Project, there are 17,342, I think, people groups in the world. And to make it easier, I'm going to round it off. And so we've got 17,000 people groups in the world. And so that Revelation passage um, 
which is like God's vision statement. Um, if he can't get every person to know him, well, he wants to see every community, every people group to have a community of representative from that people group um, to be redeemed and to be worshiping him at the end of the day. <clears throat> so for example, China is one country, one political country, but officially China has 56 ethnic minority people peoples. So the largest people group in China is the Han Chinese, as people like me. And most of the Chinese that you bump into, or you meet, or you see on TV, they are Han Chinese. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they speak Cantonese, Mandarin, Hokkien, Hakka, or any other dialects, they are Han Chinese. And they are 92% of the China's population. So the 8% which is actually a huge number because, you know, China's got 1.4 billion people. The 8% are the ethnic minority peoples. And um, they are people such as Hui or the Bai or the Miao or the Mongols or the Lisu or the Uyghurs, the Kazakhs, and so on and so forth. There's so many of them. Now, officially, we say there's 56 ethnic peoples in China. But if you ask linguists and scholars who study cultures and ethnicity, they would tell you China has nearly 500 people groups, not 56, 500 people groups. And we know there is church in China, but you know the believers the majority of the believers in the church are the Han Chinese. There are many of the other uh, ethnic minority peoples who do not have a church. They don't even have the Bible complete in their own language. And, um, and so it's, it's they become the unreached people. What God wants to see is a whole bunch of the Hui and the Uyghurs and the Bai and the Miao and the Kazakhs and, and also the rest of the world, the Sudanese, the Japanese, the Iranians, the, the Iraqis. He wants to see all these people to have communities of believers that will come and worship him at the end of the day. His heart is for every nation, every people group to be redeemed. And that is God's heart. And uh, we're all very familiar with the great commission passage in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, here, all nations appears. And again, it doesn't mean all political countries. It means every people group, those 17,000 people groups. 
And I'm not sure whether you noticed, but there is top line and bottom line blessing in this passage as well. And um, I'll highlight them. So go and make disciples of all nations is one of the top line and bottom line. And I am with you always is also a top line, bottom line. So which one's which? Well, they've swapped the order around. So go and make disciples of all nations comes first, but it's the bottom line. It's our responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations. And the top line is God's blessing to us. Is God saying, I am with you always. And I think the order has changed. It's almost saying, well, you go and I'll be with you. Um, the, the Great Commission is a great commandment. It's not a great suggestion. We must go and make disciples of all nations. The command is for us to reach every ethnic community with the gospel. And every one of the 17,000 people groups needs to be discipled. And our last point, the state of the world. So the gospel has been around for 2,000 years. Um, let's have a look at the state of the world in terms of how, how much of the world knows and accepts Jesus and how much still needs to be reached. Well, currently, we have 7.8 billion people in the world and 10% are followers of Jesus. 22% are what we call nominal Christians. They're Christians in name only, or they perhaps have never heard of this bottom line blessing, has no idea that, you know, they need to share the blessing. Or they are from uh, people where, you know, if you give them a form and it requests or requires for them to uh, tick which religion they belong, they'll tick Christianity, but they don't have a relationship with God. They just tick that because traditionally they think they're Christians. So that's the 22% nominal Christians. And then we have 39% unbelievers. And by unbelievers, we mean that they can actually access the gospel, but they don't want to, or they have accessed it before and still don't believe. Um, so they can access the gospel because where they are, there are churches down the road uh, or around the corner, or they have family member or a friend who's a Christian who can easily share the gospel with them. Um, or they have heard the gospel, but they refused it. And so they are unbelievers. Now, 29% are unreached and unengaged by the gospel. And by that, we mean they have never heard the gospel because they have no access to the gospel. There's no church near them. There, nobody around them is a Christian who can share the gospel to them. That They might not even have the Bible uh, complete in their own language. 
And so they remain unreached until someone goes there, learns their language and shares the gospel with them. So who are the unreached and unengaged peoples? Well, they are the atheists, the communists, the Muslim communities in the world, the Hindus and the Buddhists and the animists. And we have some of these people around us in our communities, but they, they are just very few around us. Majority of these live uh, overseas. Um, and knowing God wants to see every ethnic peoples come to know him, it's, it's a no-brainer that we need to reach this 29% of uh, the unreached and unengaged people by the gospel. This map shows where all the non-Christians uh, are unbelievers. Um, and I think it includes the unbelieving as well as the uh, unreached. Okay. And so um, the red dots, the redder it is, the more people there are that are unbelievers. And so the number are in millions. So if you look at the map, Nigeria has 108 million who don't know Jesus. Pakistan has 201 million. China, 1.24 billion who don't know Jesus. Vietnam, 87 million. What about Australia? Well, Australia's got one red dot, right? And that means we make uh, over a million over a million who have never heard of Jesus and can't access the gospel. And I would think that that majority of those would be the Aboriginal communities. But if you look how red Asia is, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so red. Um, Asia has 21 countries, which is about 10% of the world's countries. and But it has 53% of the world's population. So it's densely, very densely populated. And 91% of this population doesn't know anything about the gospel and they can't access the gospel. You know, I think if Jesus was to look at this map, he would say what he said in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 2 to 3. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out. Did you ever notice the verse 3? No, I did not make that up. Okay, we often memorize verse 2 and stop at ask him to send more workers into his field and stop there. But in the same breath, Jesus went on to say to his disciples, you know, ask, now go. Remember, I am sending you out. You check your Bible, okay? I did not make that up. Well, whatever version it is, verse 3 is there. So I think when we see the gospel need in the world, as Jesus sees it, we are commanded to pray 
and ask God to send out more workers. And when we do pray with the heart of Christ in wanting to send out more workers, in, in wanting to reach the unreached, we will hear Jesus say to us, now go, remember I am sending you out. God is still asking, whom shall I send? Who will go? Maybe we don't hear those things because maybe we're not praying. Uh, maybe we're not praying because we don't see the gospel needs in the world as Jesus sees it. But mission begins with seeing what Jesus sees and praying about it. Now I'm going to conclude with, uh, with uh, this map of Israel. Uh, there's a huge lake in Israel called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is dead because there's nothing that grows in there. There's no fish, there's no plants. Um, it's called a sea, but it's actually a lake. Uh, they call it a sea because it's very big. Um, and the water in Dead Sea is so salty that it's nine times or ten times saltier than the sea water. And that's just... Um, <laughs> nothing lives in the Dead Sea because it's just too too much salt. No fish, no plants, nothing. Nothing can live it live in it. The water flows from Jordan River up north uh, down into Dead Sea, and then Jordan River gets its water from further up north from the Lake of Galilee, or Sea of Galilee, um, which then gets. Uh, it's water from another river up north. But the water in the Dead Sea stops flowing out. There's no outflow from the Dead Sea, which is why it becomes saltier and saltier because, you know, as water flows in and then the sun evaporates the water and then there's the, the salt just uh, stays down. Um, and so it just collects more and more salt and minerals. God has given his chosen people the blessing of eternal life. This living water that is fresh is not salty. If we keep it all for ourselves and not share it with others, not have an outflow, would we end up like the Dead Sea and just become saltier? And saltier. And the Dead Sea is a beautiful tourist attraction. And it is beautiful because it's a body of water. Any body of water looks beautiful. And so our churches look beautiful. And, you know, but could it be that it's not giving life and it's not giving out the blessing that God wants us to give out? Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. May God help us recognize our God-given responsibility and make us a channel of blessing to the unreached peoples in the world because God has blessed us so that we can bless others. Um, if missions has been something that God has been stirring in your heart 
or if you're thinking well how do i become a channel of blessing and and have that outlet to uh reach the unreached uh where i am well you know call me email me i'd love to have a chat i'd love to hear your story and um and connect with you and there are so many ways and so many things we can encourage each other with well thank you um and i'll yeah i do pray that god bless you all and bless your church